the old covenant is associated with God's beginning dealing with and governing mankind and the earth and finally prescribing the law to a special nation whereby he had hoped um, and it's hard for me to say God hopes for anything because he knows the ends of all things. <laughs> but God gave that nation an opportunity to make him known to the rest of the world through that one nation. Uh, in a similar way, uh, the Lord by his method of government under the new covenant. Um, and I won't go into the various nuances regarding uh, how we fit into the new covenant and how Israel fits into the new covenant. But these are agreements that God made. The old covenant uh, was conditional. It required something uh, from men before blessing was endued uh, in, upon mankind. The new covenant, which was made with the nation of Israel, uh, is unconditional covenant. There are no uh, requirements on the part of the individuals or the nation of Israel in the words of the new covenant that say that they must perform in a certain way or God will not bless them. The new covenant is blessing apart from works. Now, just in, in short, uh, the church has relationship with the new covenant because we are associated with the mediator of that covenant. And we are saved by the blood of the covenant. Every covenant in Israel uh, and every covenant that God has made has always been associated with a particular sacrifice. And that sacrifice it required the shedding of blood of what is referred to as the covenant victim. Now, the covenant victim in the new covenant uh, is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. All the other covenants, there were sacrifices of animals in during the covenant. Even the old covenant was involved sacrifices to animals. When the covenant was initiated, uh, the new covenant involves the sacrifice of the Son of God and the pouring out of his blood. And so all other uh, 
all other uh, sacrifices associated with, with other covenants were not associated with the blood of Christ, but they were just shadows and type of that perfect covenant that would come um, by the blood of the mediator of that covenant of which Jesus Christ is the mediator. That is the go-between between God and man. Um, and so the first 39 chapters of the prophet Isaiah correspond, interestingly enough, and I think this cannot be a coincidence, interestingly enough, uh, with the 39 books of the Bible that we refer to as the Old Testament, our Old Covenant. Um, and the last, what is it, 27, 27 chapters of the Bible uh, are, are declarations of the government of God in the earth based on an entirely different principle um, as was the, or compared to the old covenant. And so we find early in the gospels that the scripture makes this statement that the law, which was associated with the old covenant, it is not associated with the new that the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. More than that, the first 39 chapters of Isaiah uh, are filled with the judgments of God, with a, a, an occasional promise, but have to do with the government of God as associated with man's ability to keep the law. Whereas the last 27 chapters of Isaiah have to do with the outpouring of the grace of God uh, to those people who would trust in Christ. There is no other prophetical book in the Bible that is so uh, comprehensive and complete regarding the government of God in the early part of his relationships with mankind uh, 
and the government of God based upon the grace that would be available through the blood of the mediator of the new covenant. And so I eventually, maybe if I talk about that enough, it will begin to make some kind of sense. Uh, I can tell you that most of Christendom today uh, finds a much simpler explanation. Uh, and it's, it's uh, unfortunate that many false teachings have come into being by um, by, by not differentiating how God dealt with men under the old covenant, which by the way, passed away, how much different that was than how God governed men under the mediatorial blood of the mediator of the new covenant. All right. Um, so before we start today, let's, um, let's have a word of prayer together. We're going to be starting in Jeremiah, or pardon me, Isaiah chapter 40. Fathers, we come before you, as I've already prayed, and Alice and I have prayed. Lord, uh, I can only say that the truths that are put forward in Isaiah 40 and following Father, are beyond my grasp. Truly, to, to even begin to comprehend the truth of the grace of God and the person of God and the power of God and the presence of God and the wisdom of God and the mercy of God and the justice of God. To understand that through the uh, very deep teachings of Isaiah will elude us and we must, dear Lord, in regard to the truths that are here, we must uh, grow into the fullness, the knowledge, the stature of Jesus Christ. For we can read about the person of God, the triune God. We read about him, Lord, 
we we find it in him incomprehensible for his realm exists beyond our understanding in that he is eternal and lord god we uh were created to be finite creatures because he is the creator of all things uh, and has only revealed to us uh, that which he deemed we need to know. We see, dear Lord, that the words of Paul when he said that I may know him and when he prayed in Ephesians and he said that he, that he, Paul was praying that the Ephesian Christians would understand and comprehend the height and the depth and the length and the breadth and the love of God that passes knowledge. Lord, I see so clearly, more clearly than ever, the necessity of going beyond the natural capacity of men to try to comprehend an eternal, all-powerful, all-loving God. But I do remember that the Lord Jesus speaking to his people said, if you have seen me, then you have seen the Father. So, Lord, uh, we see that the Lord Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Ghost are one and are have all, one has all the attributes of the other. And Father, we can only worship in spirit and in truth as we comprehend, apprehend that those truths that are too much for the minds of mortal men. But they have been revealed by the spirit. And so, Lord, let us today, I for one, say, dear Lord, I want to, I want to comprehend. I want to have that appreciation and awesome respect for your greatness that I might worship you and that loving you with my whole heart and all my being, Lord God, must depend upon my apprehension of who you are. And so bless us Mm -hmm. as we move from this place Bless us to know you and bless these people with that knowledge for this 
It's the most precious gift any of them could ever receive. Mm -hmm. And bless them, Lord, therefore, in that which is most precious. Mm -hmm. And we will mm -hmm. love you, Lord. And we will seek your face. Mm -hmm. And we will say with Moses that we're not going up from this place except you go with us. Mm -hmm. And even Moses wanted to see you. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so do we. Yeah. And we see you by looking into the face steadfastly mm -hmm. of the Lord Jesus Christ, yeah. where we are changed from glory to glory. Blessed be your name forever. For we pray in Christ's precious name. Amen. 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 Well, I'm just going to get us started here in chapter 40 of Isaiah. And then I'm going to ask Mark if he would come and minister to us. Um, I must tell you that much of Isaiah 40 through Isaiah 66 is, is spoken uh, to bring forward ideas and thoughts and the truth about Almighty God. And much of it cannot just be paraphrased. And so guide us as we go through this of what parts to mention uh, as an overview and yet not forget to read the very words mm -hmm. that no man mm -hmm. can paraphrase. Thank you. All right. Uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1. Now remember, we are moving now from the place uh, and so it's so absolutely evident. We are moving from the place where God, uh, by every word that he had spoken regarding blessing and judgment to Israel, you find that in Deuteronomy and other places, we are moving from that to what God has to say to us apart from our performance, but truly I find the totality of these passages uh, to correspond to the grace of God. And so Isaiah has left the best part for the last. Mm -hmm. Verse 1, chapter 40, comfort ye, 
Comfort ye my people, saith the Lord. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. What is being discussed here is the chastisement that has uh, been very evident throughout the whole history of that nation before the coming of the Messiah. And it is salve to the ears of the Israelite to hear that her iniquity is pardoned. I'll never forget that night when I in a moment comprehended that without my performance, salvation of the Lord was but for me to believe and to ask that he intervene in my life. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now, this is almost word for word, uh, taken out of Matthew chapter 3. Actually, Matthew chapter 3, verse 3, took this statement from Isaiah. And what is it about? It is about, it is a description of the work of John the Baptist as he came to prepare Israel that they might hear the message of the arrival of their king and the kingdom that could come if they would but receive their Messiah. And so John the Baptist's work uh, was to smooth the way, as verse 4 says, every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places made plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. If you want to write down a reference in regard to many of these words, I would recommend that you jot in your Bible, Job chapter 38. For so much of what I read here is also that which uh, the Lord God uh, taught Job to bring him to the place whereby he saw 
that he was not perfect in righteousness, but that he needed the grace of God. Verse six, the voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is as grass and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. I will tell you that I have concluded, and it didn't take a genius to come to the conclusion, that if God allows us to live long enough in this world, and if he initiates us by his salvation, whereby we begin to grasp the working of the spirit in our lives, and we begin to grasp the fact that we must continually walk by faith, and that we grasp the truth that God would have our thoughts to be his thoughts at all times. Uh, then I look at a lifespan and I have the opportunity, as many of you also do, have the opportunity to move through childhood and come to the conclusions that most children do and to at some point in the teenage or early part of life to recognize that uh, there is very much to do in the world. The idea of securing a profitable employment, the idea of getting an education, the idea of uh, becoming valuable, the idea of, of continually having your thoughts and my thoughts on myself, uh, striving so hard in what I knew was a short lifespan to become at least a person in the world that could say, I did something valuable. But then after we, I think all of us go through those kind of periods in our life where our thoughts are very much in those directions. But then 
we began to see at some point, some of us quicker than others, that we are simply like the grass that springs up and becomes green and flowers as it were for, for a time and then is gone and truly is remembered no more. No one is going to think about me or you 300 years from now, if the Lord tarries, there will be almost no one who are even, uh, you know, your offspring, they're not going to know your name. They're not going to have any idea of what you did. And if you were, uh, you know, if you did it right, according to the world's view, they're not going to know it. And so what we see in this idea of simply living a lifespan in this earth and then passing away brings home the words of Solomon to each one of us. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Now for the Christian, he or she hopefully is impressed by the higher calling that we have in Christ Jesus. That is that calling to love him with all of our strength, all of our might, and all of our soul, that we comprehend at least the idea that we, we are made for him and we truly belong to him. And he is our sovereign God and he is to be given careful consideration as to what he has made us knowledgeable of and hopefully grow into the image of his son who said, I have not come to do my will, but to the will of the one who sent me. And hopefully sooner than later, we, we began to make an accounting of those things that we endeavor to do that are going to be burned up with this world, that are not going to be remembered anymore, that have not glorified Christ that have not pleased God, that had not given him the respect and due consideration that he reserves, which is nothing less than a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is simply a reasonable service. Uh, but God, would it be that 
as we move through these stages of our lives, that our whole view of why we are here and our whole desire shifts from thoughts of self, shifts from uh, finding means whereby we might amuse ourselves in this short span of life where many, so many have said, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you shall die. And so we, as an old commercial was, are, are encouraged to live our lives with gusto. We are encouraged to make our dent in this world. But I tell you, all that we might do if we become rulers, kings, great men and women, that everything that has not been accomplished according to our love and our understanding of our purpose will not abide in eternity. And I speak these words because when I read what is to come in Isaiah, I had to admit that my comprehension of the, gr the greatness of God is feeble. And out of the depth of the spirit that God put in me comes a call to not remain outside of a comprehension of who this is, not only that made all that is made, but has chosen to love me and you. And more than that, to bestow upon us for all eternity the blessings of what he clearly knows is the wonder of his being. That is where God wants to lead us. Say, well, what do you mean? I mean, when Peter spoke those words saying that uh, we uh, might become partakers of his divine nature. Can you grasp that? 
can I grasp that I have the capacity in my salvation to partake of the divinity of God and that he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And when we say that, we understand that all things has to do with the life that he put in us, has to do with the joining of his spirit with ours, whereby Paul said, whosoever is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. But I know the truth of verse 7, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, and I find these days in my life, this is just my testimony, I find these days in my life are so much more Uh, given to the consideration of what I can be because of the grace of God. But first, it is obvious that we must come to the place that this temporal existence and what the world can offer and what the enemy utilizes to distract us from this purpose that God and, and, and the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, how high is it? For the grass withers and the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. And I would say with Elliot, who said, he is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep that a he may gain that which he can never lose. Now, there's much more to say about this, but I'm going to ask Mark if he'd come and minister to us. We thank the Lord for him. Attended my grief. 
sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my Thank you. 
it is well, it is well with my soul. Thank you, Mark. It is well. It is well. Thank you, Lord. As we were waiting to for the starting time this morning, Alice was playing a song that she remembered from her childhood. It was not a song I knew. And it's, re it's entitled The Love of God. And we got to talking about it. And, and uh, she found it and downloaded it and put it on her desk. And, and uh, I asked her if she'd have the words printed out. Um, and I want to read them. But first, I'll tell you where this was an old song. The words had to be translated into English. And we don't know who did that. But one of the guys, or the, the man who is attributed at least to bring in this song in its final form, named Frederick Lehman. He testifies that the English rendition included in his song has reportedly been found penciled on the wall of a patient's room in an insane asylum after he had been carried to his grave. There is no limit to the place and the places that God can reach. Glory be to God. The words are thus the Lord, or pardon me, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. When hoary time shall pass away and earthly thrones and kingdoms fall, when men who here refuse to pray on rocks and hills and mountains call, God's love so sure shall still endure, all measureless and strong, redeeming grace to Adam's race, the saints and angels song. Mm -hmm. Could we with ink the ocean fill and where the skies of and were the skies of parchment made, were every stock on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll 
contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. May God be praised. And so the blessings of the words of Isaiah to Israel, verse 9 of chapter 40, O Zion, that's speaking particularly to Jerusalem, that bring us good tidings. Get thee up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem, that bringeth good tidings. Lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up and be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with a strong hand. His arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with the span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scale and the hills in balance? Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord? Our being, his counselor, has taught him with whom took he counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing, and Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beasts thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are nothing. They are counted to him less than nothing and vanity. To whom then will we liken God? Or what likeness will you compare unto him? The workman melteth a graven image and the goldsmith spread it, it over with gold and casteth silver chains. He that is so impoverished that he has no oblation chooses a tree that will not rot. He seeketh unto him a cunning workman to prepare a graven image. 
that shall not be moved. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the world, of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. And inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretches out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. That bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Yea, they shall not be planted. Yea, they shall not be sown. Yea, their stock shall not take root in this earth. He shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither, and the whirlwind take them away as stubble. To whom then will you liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high. Behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number? He calleth them all by names by the greatness of his might. For that he is strong in power, not one falleth. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speaketh, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, feigneth not, neither is weary, there is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Vernon McGee on this last verse, verse 31, Vernon McGee said, in the Christian experience, those who are just initiated into Christ, uh, they, they fly like eagles. I mean, you could see uh, the power. And then talking about those more growing up individuals 
that began to be seated in the truth, the mind of God, they run. But those of us that are older and who have come to understand that the Lord does all things in his time, they walk day by day, one foot in front of the other, and they shall not faint. I'll make just a few comments about what I just read. Notice verse 22. Now, when I went to Bible school, they taught us this. They said that the Bible is not a text of science. Nevertheless, when the Bible speaks of those things associated with science, that it is always true. And here, some 700 years before the coming of Christ, and even up until the time of Magellan and Columbus, uh, it took that long for men to discover that the earth was a sphere placed in space. The Lord says, it is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. And so we know from long ago and could know that the earth is not a flat plane in space. He also talks in verse 22, and thereof are as grasshoppers, and that God stretches out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. Now, there are a number of scriptures that talk about the Lord uh, spreading out the heavens. And I have that verse, but I'm not going to take the time to look it up. I want to tell you, and, and I'm going to tell you something I believe. The first thing I want to say is that scientists and physicists and quantum mechanics people will tell us that 90, more than 90% of the actual material in the universe is invisible. Secondly, when it's invisible, what they call it, they call it dark matter. You can only be observed by some very uh, 
sophisticated experimental techniques. Nevertheless, in, in explaining what is in the universe and in what is in that which we call space, which we say, and it is, is a vacuum, but that the vacuum of space is filled with dark matter. It's, uh, and this was discovered a number of years ago when physicists couldn't make sense of the behavior of light as it travels through the vacuum of space. There are many who think that in the early part of the universe, the travel of light from one place to another was instantaneous. And to explain the characteristics of light now in the universe, the experimental work has has come to the conclusion that the only way you can make sense of it mathematically is to add a, a number called Planck's constant to every calculation regarding the travel of energy through space. And that the power of of the energy in any cubic meter of space is beyond comprehension. And that there is going on in every cubic meter of space, continual, instantaneous, immeasurable, uh, as far as the, the uh, time that it takes uh, for these reactions to occur, there is continually the conversion of matter to antimatter on and back again, and it never stops. And the theory is that there is uh, in creation, there is as much antimatter as matter. And when antimatter and matter come together, they annihilate one another and great energy is uh, produced. And this is what they have found in what we had called the nothingness of space. And when I thought about that, I thought about the fact, and also I have to give credit to Chuck Missler who talks about this, Chuck Missler referred to this truth as showing exactly that the words of the Lord that he will fold up the heavens like a scroll tells us you cannot roll up nothingness, tells us that when the Lord 
is ready to do that and he will do that at the time somewhere uh, about the time when he creates a new heaven and a new earth he is going to roll up all space mm -hmm. just like a scroll because it is it is not empty um, and so the the energy that exists in the universe is a testimony to in my opinion to the life of God that is omnipresent you understand omnipresent that means wherever we go in the universe and beyond god is there he is omnipresent his energy is there and it's not much of a stretch at least in my imagination to understand that in the words of Paul when he spoke to the Grecian unbelievers on Mars Hill. It's in the book of Acts. And Paul was looking for a way to get the attention of the Greeks and the Athenians. And he came across because they had so many gods. I mean, there were, there were gods on every street corner in Athens. And he came across a statue of what had written underneath it to the unknown God. Because they didn't want to make a mistake and leave any of the gods out lest they, uh, the gods be offended. And so they made a statue to the unknown God. And he said, it is that God I want to talk to you about. The unknown, the unseen God. But Paul made a statement when he was describing our God. He said, for he is never far from us because in him, in him, we move and have our being. If I go into heaven, he is there. And the scripture tells me if I go into hell, he is there. There is not one cubic inch within all that is. I want to say the universe, but I look at possibly the that which God has as his realm goes way beyond the universe. And wherever we might go, we will find God. He is incomprehensible. 
And it is these passages that tell us that he is incomprehensible. And so the question, my friend, for us is, is not by way of using our own intellectual capacities to know God. For by that method, we will never know him. By that method, we will never appreciate him. By that method, we will never be able to rightfully worship him. For all of these things are revealed by the Spirit. And if God does not teach us, we will never learn. And so us creatures here in the earth have a tendency to build in our little space, in our life, our little domain, to build a world that is to our liking. And we work in that little space so that we can find some temporary and fleeting meaning of life. And truly, as Solomon said, vanity of vanities all is vanity the only thing the only person that is forever is almighty god himself yeah. he is eternal he has offered us life and that's his life. He does not touch us with a magic wand when we become saved and impart something to us that is then uh, separate from himself. Salvation is when God gives us his life. Nothing less than that. This one, in all of his grandeur and glory, has attributes that brought him to love those that he had made who fell into disrepair. And it is the unimaginable love of God, yes. whereby with all of his skill and 
wisdom beyond knowledge. He made us to be alive in concert with him, with his life. May we consider that in the following discussions in Isaiah and in the discussions in the book of Job, when God said, where were you when I made the earth? Where were you? He was saying, you are nowhere. And we who without him are nowhere are offered everything yes. if we believe. Yes. Let us consider that our concept of God may be far short of the truth, but also consider that according to his promise, we do not have to remain in ignorance. For I shall know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering that I may be made conformable to him. So great a salvation, my friends. We will read much as we move forward regarding the grandeur and the marvelous truth regarding the person who has wrought our salvation in his son and by his spirit. Let us pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for these, these words of Isaiah that have, have brought me, Lord, to know that it would be a tragedy that I might miss all that's available. And so, Lord, by your mercy and grace, you never fail to meet the heart's desire and the request of those who desire the fullness of our experience in you and in Christ. Bless each one who hears today that they will ponder these truths and that they would call out to God, understanding what is possible and understanding that that which is possible, he is so desirous to give us. And let us believe and rejoice in his perfection 
and his veracity that if we ask him for a fish, he won't give us a stone. Thank you, Lord. Bless each one of us now. We humble ourselves before you. And we, we say, Lord God, how marvelous, how wonderful you are. Blessed be your name forever. These things we pray with great thanksgiving in the name of Christ. Amen.